Well, last week I talked about being part of a church plant before I came to join uh, Lakeside, the team here at Lakeside. And I remember one of the weeks uh, being a church plant, we had to set up and tear down everything every single week as we rented space in a theater and we weren't able to keep anything at the theater, which meant we had to do a full load every single week of all the equipment that we needed in order to, to produce the church services and to produce all the ministries of the church that would happen on a Sunday morning. All of that had to be transported to the theater in the morning of Sunday morning. So we had a very narrow window. We had it down to a number of vans that we would jam-pack full. We stored some of the equipment in, in our garage. And I remember one week in the middle of summer, it was hot and it was humid and it's time to do the load, and we're up, and we're starting, and it's early in the morning, and, and just as the vans pull up to load the equipment, the second we raise the garage door, it just starts a torrential downpour, and this is not a quick process, and it's not light equipment, and I'm talking just pouring down rain, like the scene from a movie that you would see in a, in a thunderstorm, just pouring down rain. Everyone is just wet and it's hot and we're miserable. And in that moment, I just looked up at the sky and I'm not going to verbatim say what I said, but I just looked up at the sky and, and I remember just thinking, really God? Really? Like here we are trying to do our best to, to do your work. Here we are doing our best to try to serve you and you can't, part the, you can't part the clouds for five minutes? Like that's, Those are the thoughts that were in my heart. And this morning, if I'm being honest with you, we're going to talk about one of the things that I don't understand about God. And, and one of the things that at times has annoyed me about God in my life, if I'm just being vulnerable with you. Because if I were God, and I'm not, clearly. <laughs> but if I were God, and you were on my team, you followed me, then I would make your life pretty easy. If I were God and you were going to serve me, I would part the waters. I would part the clouds. I'd make it so you didn't face any opposition. I'd make it so that everything you tried in your efforts of serving me were a massive success. And one of the things that people who are exposed to God but don't have a full relationship with him that causes them to kind of close that chapter more often than not is the theme that we're going to talk about today. It's this idea of suffering. And when we think about all of the horrible circumstances and all of the terrible situations that go on in our lives, and I'm not talking about a rainstorm when you're loading church equipment or a flight being bumped by Southwest Airlines, or you get a bad position in the boarding line of Southwest Airlines, or anything like that. I'm talking about real problems that people face. Illnesses, death, loss, relationships that disintegrate in spite of the fact that you're trying your best to see it through and to see it work. I'm talking about these real moments of heaviness and for somebody that doesn't really follow God but who's been exposed to God they just come to the point where they close that chapter in their lives and they say if there were a good God there's no way 
this could happen. And we've sung this morning about God's goodness. We, we just concluded a song, how good is he if, he's never, if he never did another thing for me, right? And that's easy to sing, especially when we like the melody. But the question that we have to wrestle with is, is that true? Is that true in our lives? Is that something that we really believe? Is it something that we really accept? And that is what we're going to talk about this morning as we continue our look at 1 Peter. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to start this morning in verse 12. On, the, on your phones and tablets, you can follow along with us in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can download in the app store of your choosing. If you have a traditional Bible with you, we're going to be, again, in the New Testament book of 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 12, and if you're streaming from home, Thanks for joining us. The verses will be available on the screen below as we talk about this theme of suffering and where is God in the midst of our suffering and why do we have to suffer? We talk about that this morning and we start as we read 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange we're happening to you. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now, let's just, just tear this apart a little bit. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial. So there are trials, and then there are fiery trials. Like there are difficulties, and then there are dumpster fires. We understand this in life. Sometimes we experience a little bit of resistance. Sometimes we have a project like the fire pit that's going up in the back right now, where every way you turn, there's another issue and there's another problem, and you run into it constantly. Join us in prayer. We're really hoping that it's all done by next Sunday, all right? But sometimes in life, sometimes in life we experience hard times, and then other times we just experience the dumpster fire where if it could go wrong, it does go wrong. And not only does it go wrong, but it goes wrong at an epically massive level. Every way possible it could go wrong, it does go wrong. And some of you are in the midst of those circumstances right now. Some of you are dealing with minor annoyances right now. But this is something that he says you're going to encounter and you're going to experience in your life. And again, if I were God and you followed me, I would do things differently. But this is the reminder to all of us that first of all, we aren't God. And second of all, the reason that there are problems is because we live in a fallen, broken world. The world in which we live is not as it, is, it's not as it was originally designed. Sin has messed up everything. It messes up our relationships. It has messed up everything, not just about our lives, but about the world in which we live. Everything is more difficult. Everything is broken as a result of sin. Nothing is as it was originally designed by God. And when things go wrong, it's a reminder to us that this is not as it was originally designed to be. And this is not how it should be. 
And because we live in a broken world, because we live in a flawed world, these things are going to happen. And they're not going to be rare. He says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you encounter this. Be ready for it. It is not rare that problems come our way. It is rare when we have a break from the problems coming our way. It is not rare when the fiery trials, not just trials, but when fiery trials come our way. It's rare when they don't. And he says, the first step for you is to be prepared. Be prepared in your thinking. Be prepared that this is going to come your way. This is not abnormal when difficulty and hardship come our way. But it is actually the normal. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Re rejoice in bad times? Really? How out of touch is that? Rejoice in bad times. And for the cynic and the skeptic, they would hear this and they would say, well, they're just delusional. They're just delusional. Those are those people that follow Jesus that don't acknowledge that there's any real pain. They don't acknowledge that there are any real problems in the world or in their lives. And there's some sort of delusion that goes on in their minds. Rejoice when you not only face trials, but when the fiery trials come your way. Why and how? And he gives us the qualifier. He gives us the why, and he tells us the how. And it doesn't mean that when hard times come our way, we just close our eyes to it and act blind to it and say, everything's perfect in my life, and this is so fantastic. That's not what we're called to do at all. But we are called to have a good perspective. We are called to keep things in perspective. And he says, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Here's the qualifier. Here's the way that you can rejoice in bad times, even when the dumpster fires come our way. And the way that we can still rejoice, even when our worlds are spiraling out of control and when everything is going wrong on a massively large level, here is the way that we can still rejoice, that we see our suffering. We see our suffering. And we remember our faith. And we remember the hope that we have that this world is not our home, that this is not our final destiny, but that we have hope that goes above and beyond our current circumstances and our current situations. And that hope is made available to us through a relationship with Jesus. And how is that hope made available to us except through the massive suffering of Jesus on a scale we will never fully understand or appreciate? That through the greatest act of suffering, we have been given salvation. And when our worlds are spiraling out of control, because the heaviness of our situations seem too heavy to bear, and things are going wrong at a massively large level, in a major way, We have hope. 
as we remember the sacrifice of our Savior. We remember his sacrifice for our sin. And when our thoughts are taken back to the sacrifice of our Savior, then we recall that the best is yet to come. That our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in our current set of circumstances and situations. But our hope is in Jesus and what he has done on our behalf. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. When people mock you and people ridicule you for following God, you are blessed. When you are mocked and you are ridiculed as a result of your faith, you are blessed. When you are mocked and when you are ridiculed for the way you dress, it just means you're bad at dressing, all right? That's all that means. When you are mocked and you are ridiculed for the way that you golf, it just means you're bad at golf, all right? There, there is no blessing and there is no glory there. When you are mocked and you are ridiculed for the way that you play sports, it just means that you have friends because that's what, that's what happens with your friends. They mock and they ridicule you. That just means you're, you're a friend. But when people mock and they ridicule you because of your faith, because you made the decision to follow Jesus, you are blessed. You are blessed. And I, I just want to remind you that you will be misunderstood. You will be misunderstood. And people will not understand why you follow Jesus, and they will think you're delusional. They will think you're irrational. They would think you're out of touch. You can fill in all the blanks because anyone who has followed Jesus has encountered all of the traditional insults. We've encountered all the traditional naysayers. We've heard it all. And sometimes it's delivered from people who are just bitter. And sometimes it's delivered from people who just legitimately don't understand. Sometimes it's people themselves who we've already talked about who have closed that chapter in their lives because there's something about God and something about suffering that they just cannot wrap their minds and their hearts around. And so they close the book. And because of the hurt and because of the things that they can't process in their minds, it is now their goal to try to bring about discouragement in everyone else's life who has made the decision to follow Jesus. And if you find yourself in those circumstances, if you find yourself in those relationships, if you find yourself being mocked for your faith and being ridiculed, we're told you're blessed. And I know the pain of that sometimes can be very real, especially if it's from somebody that you love. But don't be caught by surprise. It's coming. And remember that you are blessed and God misses nothing. And in those moments where you feel isolated, in those moments where you feel alone, God covers you. 
God covers you. And Peter goes on, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. When you suffer, make sure it's not justified. When you suffer, make sure you suffer for reasons that are not justified. If a murderer suffers, it's because they get the just due of their action. If you murder somebody and you go to jail or if capital punishment's brought about and, and your life is ended, it is just due for your crime. If, if you go and if, you, if you're in jail because you've robbed someone or if you have to go and you have to repay somebody because you've committed theft or embezzlement against them, you suffer because of the crime that you have committed. And Peter says, when you suffer, make sure that you don't earn that suffering. Make sure that it's not something you're suffering because you deserve it. In the way that somebody who commits a crime has to then go to prison. And jail isn't a pleasant experience for them. The, the thought process is, well, jail isn't supposed to be a pleasant experience for someone. Peter says, don't be quick to play the I'm a victim card if you're getting the just due for your actions. In our society, we see on full display, there is no personal responsibility. And everybody wants to make whatever choice they want to make. They want to have the freedom to make that choice. And now they want to make that choice without any consequence. And if there is a consequence for that choice, they're quick to play the victim card. When you bear the results of your own stupidity, you are not being victimized. And Peter says, for those of us that follow Jesus, make sure that when we suffer, it is not deserved. It is not earned. That it isn't a result of our own poor choices and our own bad decisions. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. Don't be ashamed when you suffer. Don't be ashamed when you suffer. But glorify God. Use your suffering to glorify God. When you find yourself in the circumstances and in the situations you never wanted to be in and you never wished you were, leverage that. Leverage that as an opportunity to point people to the hope that you have through Jesus. Leverage that as an opportunity to encourage others. Leverage that as an opportunity to do good. Don't be ashamed when you suffer, but glorify God with it. Glorify God with how you handle it. Glorify God with how you respond. And this is why it's so important that we have a good mindset, a good theology, and a good philosophy about suffering. Because when we recognize that suffering is going to happen, 
It's just part of this broken world. We can prepare ourselves. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy and it doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant, but at least we can be prepared. At least we can be prepared that when it comes our way, and it will, remember, it is not abnormal when we experience suffering. It's abnormal the seasons that we don't. And the good theology of this recognizes that in our suffering, we can glorify good. And a good philosophy recognizes that we are going to be prepared for the suffering which will come. And when we have our minds right, it enables us to be better positioned that when it comes, to not feel like we're, to not feel like we're being taken advantage of, to not feel like we're being victimized, but instead to see it as the opportunity to glorify God. Now, I recognize that there are none of us who like the idea of suffering. And if you do like the idea of suffering, you probably need to talk to a good counselor. None of us, none of us like the idea of suffering. But it is an opportunity for God to change us, for God to shape us, for God to mold us, and for us to point people to him in the process. For it is time for judgment to begin of the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And this is a reminder for us that when we experience God's judgment, when we experience fiery trials that come our way, we, we survive not in our own strength. We survive not in our own intellect and in our own ability. We survive because of the salvation that's offered to us through Jesus and what he has done for us, not because of ourselves, but because of what he has done for us. So that's what Peter's talking about when he says we are scarcely saved. It's not anything we can do in and of ourselves. It is all through what Jesus has done on our behalf. And this sobering question, as if the hope for us who follow Jesus isn't our own intellect, isn't our own ability, isn't our own accomplishments, if our hope is Jesus, then what hope is there for those that don't follow him? And this is why we must suffer differently. Because we ultimately have to hope. A hope that those apart from Christ will never experience. And they will never know. And that hope can bring us peace. That hope can change our outlook. 
that hope is how we survive. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. We experience hardship. We experience hardship because it makes us stronger. I talked to my grandma on the phone a couple days ago, and she was talking about different things going on in her life. And one of the things that she was talking about is potentially having to go in for another knee replacement surgery. She's really not looking forward to that process. And I don't know many people when the prospect of surgery is coming up, they're like, whew, that sounds awesome. I'd really like to do that. Fantastic. I know a lot of people when surgery is coming up who are anxious. who are weighing the pros and the cons. Because surgery is painful. And there's recovery. And it leaves scars. But the goal of every good surgeon, and the goal of every good doctor, isn't to maim you. It isn't to harm you. It's to take you through a process that's going to hurt. And it's going to require some pain up front. But that pain is provided with the promise that there is a greater future. God loves us enough to operate the world in a way much different than I would operate it. And whereas I would want everything to go well and everything to to just be perfect for those that followed me, God's so much wiser than me. And he loves us so much. He's willing to let us feel the pain that brings about a greater promise. That we will suffer and we will hurt and we will experience trials and we will experience fiery trials. And these are not abnormal. These are the normal. And the reason that God would let us experience that is not because he's sadistic. It's 
not even because of vengeance as we've just read. It's because God's making us stronger. And we must remember what we see here and now is merely the journey. This is not our final destination. But God is working on us and he's refining us and he's making us more and more like him. And the pain that we experience is all part of the process. And an opportunity. An opportunity for us to remember our Savior. An opportunity for us to remember His sufferings, which ultimately produces our salvation when we place our faith and trust in Him and what He has accomplished on our behalf, which gives us the hope that when we must give an account before the judgment of God, whose standard is perfection, and we have nothing to offer. Because we don't measure up. And when our rightful destination is hell because we've rejoiced, because we've rebelled against the standard of God, that standard of perfection, he offers us heaven. Because of the suffering of his son. I don't pretend to have all the answers. I don't pretend to know why God works in some situations in some ways and in other circumstances and other situations in other ways. I wish I did. But I'm not God. And he doesn't have to answer to me. What I do know is that when our world is spiraling out of control, we are suffering. That the pain that we experience is all part of a greater process. And that God is at work. Even when we can't see it or understand what he's doing. I want to be clear that even when we rejoice in our suffering, it doesn't mean we have to be fake. It doesn't mean we have to pretend that it doesn't bother us and it doesn't hurt. We can be authentic and we can be real. And rejoicing doesn't mean throwing a fake smile on our face and saying everything's wonderful. When our world is spiraling out of control. No, what rejoicing looks like in those moments is remembrance. That even if our world does spiral out of control, 
wasn't our final destination anyway. And we have hope because of the sacrifice of our Savior. God, I pray that you would meet us where we are and you would remind us that when we suffer, it is not abnormal. I pray that you would help us have a good theology and a good philosophy of suffering. And I pray that you would help us remember that the pain that we experience is part of the process. I pray for the person right now who's in the midst of the fiery trials. And I pray that you would remind this world is not their home, that you have a greater purpose, and the pain that they're experiencing is all part of your process. I pray that they would not lose heart and give up hope. pray for the person that's investigating you, God, and just can't wrap their minds around how a good God could allow this to happen. And I pray in a soft yet firm way your spirit would remind them that we don't get to dictate the terms of how you operate and how you exist. as they continue to discover and pursue you. They would ultimately find that hope that is available through our salvation and the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we do pray.